Good morning, everybody. Uh, if you see or hear me cough, it's just because I've had my annual week of sounding like Barry White, and so I'm on the tail end of all that. And so uh, uh, it's been a been a fun week in my house. Uh, snow and my head just feeling like it's throbbing. So, uh, but I feel much better today, and glad to be here with everyone. Glad for those who are joining us at home. Um, you will definitely not catch what I might have, and so if I'm avoiding people today, it's not because I want to avoid people, but. Yeah, I don't want to give you, give you what I got. And so, because it makes you sound like you might have COVID, but you don't. And so, but if you would, wouldn't mind telling us where you're viewing us from today. If you can do that at cchmd.com slash connect, and you can use the connection card there. Let us know where you are viewing us from. You can also use that site to, uh, to, to catch up on any past videos that you may have missed uh, from weeks past or find all of our, our, our youth lessons there as well. Uh, there's also a link there to our secure online giving portal. Uh, there at cchmd.com slash give. And so uh, you can find that on the connection page. You can go there directly, as Lonnie said, uh, during the offering time there. Uh, if you want to uh, view along with us today, uh, the, the sermon notes, uh, they are on uh, the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, I, I've completely forgotten what the title of my sermon is today. So you'll just find the one that's most recent. That's the one that we're going to do today. Uh, it's uh, talking about the parable of the sower. And so we're going to get into that here in just a little bit. And so uh, I said, we're glad that you are joining us today. Before we go any further, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for your love for us. We thank you that you are God most worthy of praise, that even in uh, the storms of life, even when things are rocky and difficult, that you are here with us to walk with us, to, uh, to support us, to be by our side, to, to help calm us through the storm. That it is well with our soul when we walk with you. Father, we thank you that you've given us your life, that you've given us hope of life after here uh, in heaven because of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. One thing I forgot to mention, uh, on uh, Tuesday, March 2nd and Saturday, March 6th, we're going to be helping out the Reach Shelter. And uh, so we need some people to help out with that and uh, uh, to to begin to put together uh, the, the meals and to, uh, to, to help out as staff that night. Um, as we've said, the, uh, the, they've had zero COVID cases at the shelter uh, this year, and uh, they've got, um, uh, they're running with just as few staff as possible to make sure that um, uh, everyone is safe and uh, but at the same time can serve those who are uh, some of the most vulnerable in our community. And so if you can let us know uh, which nights you can serve and how you might be able to do that, uh, even if it's just, hey, I can cook a meal. I can cook a meal that night and, and we can find a way to get there. Uh, that would be uh, very helpful uh, on March 2nd and Saturday, Tuesday, March 2nd and Saturday, March 6th. So as um, so today, we are uh, uh, continuing on in our series through Matthew. And, and, and I want to start with... the. Uh, uh, kind of this re reflection in a way is uh, last year and in this last year, many of our different traditions have had to be postponed or canceled, right? Uh, the, usually every fall, we like to go to one of the local orchards here and pick a whole mess of apples. And we'll go on a Saturday and we will go up and down the mountainside and, and we'll, sometimes we've come home with over 100 pounds of apples. And, uh, and so usually it's me lugging those apples all the way back down the, the, the side of the hill to, to the van and, and, and putting them in there. And then we go home and, and uh, there's nothing quite like uh, the smell of applesauce, homemade applesauce going on the stove or, or, the, or the taste of a, of a fresh apple crisp, of a fresh picked apples, or even walking through the orchard and grabbing an apple off the tree and eating it as you're picking other apples 
to take home. That's one of the best things about picking uh, fruit at the orchard is you can taste test it there and they don't charge you for those. And so, so you can go through, like, oh, I, wonder what the, I wonder how the goldens taste here. I wonder how this, and you can just take one and, and they don't charge you for that. And so we will come home with uh, over 100 pounds of apples in our bellies. We'll be sore because we've eaten too many apples on that day. But uh, there's other fruits that we like to, to, to pick at, at that orchard. And uh, sometimes we'll go there for the strawberries and the blueberries. And you know, frankly, I'm not as big a fan of picking. I, I love eating strawberries. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not a big fan of the squatting and kneeling and moving of picking the strawberries. I didn't realize how low those things were to the ground until the first time I went to a strawberry patch. It's like, you get down there and it can be difficult. Now, but at the same time, though, I, I can clean up a blueberry bush. You know, they, they, they give you a little bucket that you can just kind of strap around yourself and you're just there going, you know, I can just, you know, take those out and sometimes going, hmm, blueberries are pretty good this year, right? And so it's amazing how different things grow and you get to pick them and the beauty of, of how we can get our food naturally like that. A couple years ago, the orchard that we go to, uh, they put in some new strawberry plants. And, and, and I didn't realize, but it makes sense that after a while, the plants that you have in there, uh, they kind of run their course. And so you have to pull those out and you put new ones in. And, and so they were putting in some new ones because the old ones weren't producing as good of fruit or as much fruit as it had in the past. And so it's time to replace the bushes. And as, as, as the situations go, oftentimes the, the age of the plant or the age of the tree, sometimes uh, we begin to see uh, a, a dwindling quality of the fruit. Sometimes it's the quality of the seed. Sometimes the plant itself just didn't come from very good seed. It wasn't, didn't come from a very good line. There was something wrong with the seed. And so the seed produced a bad plant that produces not as good a fruit as you would like. Oftentimes it comes down quality of the plant comes down to the quality of the soil. There, there are certain soils and there are certain places where, where certain foods and fruits uh, can grow uh, very well, but then there's other places where those same fruits don't, work, don't, don't grow as well. It's just too hot or too cold or the soil's not right, and, and there's just something there that for some reason that plant doesn't do as well. The same is not true when we begin to talk about the soil of the human heart. There may be different obstacles, and there may be different issues, there may be different things that come up in our life, but there's not a person or a a type of person or or anyone in our world who, by nature, is unable to accept the gospel. Jesus does most of his teaching primarily to an agrarian society, to to a society that that makes their, their lives and their livelihood is determined by the bounty of the crops that they harvest. So they understand and they appreciate the conditions that the seed in our parable today will find itself in. And while the condition of the soil often determines the bounty of the harvest, the soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. The soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. Well, well, oftentimes the, the quality of the soil will determine the bounty of the harvest. The soil of our heart will determine the fruit of the of our life. And so if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Matthew Matthew's gospel is, is centered around five different sermons that Jesus preaches. And and the first one is is probably his most famous, the Sermon on the Mount. And the second one we looked at a little bit last week in Matthew chapter 10 as he's getting ready to, to send out his disciples. He, he gives them this sermon about life as disciples, as, as sharing the gospel, as they go out and as they take on the mission and ministry that he has given to them 
This is what your life is to be like and how you are to go about it. The third one is here in Matthew chapter 13. If you ever read through Matthew chapter 13, it's a series of parables. And Jesus is giving us these pictures, these snapshots of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so this parable serves as the introduction to the sermon. It, it, it begins to, to outline for us the responses that people will have in light of the teaching of this sermon. And we'll find some, some that they would be blessed because of the words that Jesus will preach. And some, well, some will not receive this parable quite so well. This is what Jesus says to us. He says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake, and such large crowds gathered around him that he had to get into a boat and, and sat in it, where all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came along and ate it up. And some fell in the rocky places where it didn't have much soil, and so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus spoke uh, often in parables. He would tell these stories that, that kind of would run parallel with their life and they would begin to see and understand the different concepts that Jesus was saying. Sometimes these simple stories were even hard for people to understand. And so sometimes these stories missed. The people just didn't understand and so they would be ever seeing but never understanding as the prophets had said. But on this day, Jesus is He's, he gives him what, this parable is often called the parable of the sower. What's interesting is that the sower is hardly in the parable. And so it's more likely, a better name for this parable would be called the parable of the, so, the soils. Parable of the soils. And so Jesus is teaching on this day. And he starts off, he, he's likely in Capernaum, which is kind of his home base. And he starts off at a house, which is likely Peter's. And as the crowds begin to grow, Jesus moves to the seashore. And he gets in a boat, which is probably also Peter's. And the crowds begin to grow along there. And he begins to tell them these stories. He says, on this day, this day there's a, a certain sower. And he goes out to sow his seed. See, well, 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 we call it the parable of the, so, the, the sower. All the action happens in the soil. This is the one and only mention of the sower. He goes out this day to scatter his seed. And so they would go out there and they would cast their seed wherever they would want to throw it. The, uh, we, we, don't, we, we weren't led in to know what he's planting. We don't know what crop he's expecting. We don't know what season it is. All we know is that this day he is going out to plant his field. I love watching the, the farm next door to the property here at the church. And, and, and as the seasons turn over, there are, there, there's different crops that come in. And they, they put some out and, and, and they grow up and they, they harvest them. And, then, and some of you probably could recognize what crops those are. Uh, I, I do not. I just see the crop come up. And I see them you know, tending the field and then they harvest it. And then they come back and they plant something else. And something else grows up in its place and they harvest it. And they do this throughout the year. 
Sometimes we smell them uh, helping make the, uh, the soil a bit more nutrient-rich, and, and so that's always a blessing and a, a curse. And, uh, um, but they go out and they, and they have a certain rotation, a certain way that they do things to produce the best crop possible. Back in the first century, they didn't have these same sort of techniques that we have today. So these days, they, we prepare the field, and maybe you, know, you go walking through the field, and you make sure you're, removing, you're moving, removing rocks and whatever uh, weeds might be there, and you're making the soil as, as uh, accepting as possible of the seed that you're going to plant. You might even add some fertilizer to make it even more nutrient-rich, to make it more uh, inviting environment for the seed. But back in Jesus' time, they had a far more basic form of planting. You might call it fire-ready aim, right? The sower goes out, he sows his seed, he tills it under, and then he waits to see if his seed hit the mark. Which to us seems exactly backwards because we have machinery to plow the field. We have a machinery to, to, to put the seed in just at the right space between so they can produce, so they don't crowd each other so we can get the best crop possible. Back then, they just chucked seed wherever they wanted to chuck seed. Because the farmer knew that if he wanted to have a bountiful harvest, he had to plant a lot of seed. So the, seed, the sower goes out to plant his seed. And as he's sowing, some of the seed that he scattered falls along the path. Back then, they would often plow their entire property up into the edge of the property. It's like the only place where they wouldn't have crops was probably on the, the pathways in between the properties. The walking paths that people would take to get to, to wherever their, uh, their fields were at. So these, these paths were trampled by, by men and by beasts. And so th- these, uh, these, these lanes were, were not suitable for farming. And so the sower comes along. He's just throwing his seed out there. And some of it happens to fall on the edge. Has anyone ever fertilized their yard or overseeded their yard? And as you're using your broadcast spreader, some of it falls onto the driveway or the sidewalk. Or even into, you know, heaven forbid, the, 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 the landscaping beds around your house. Because you know if you do that, then you're going to get grass and whatever in your landscaping bed. And that's not where you want it, right? You want it, grass in the yard, flowers where they're supposed to be, bushes where they're supposed to be, all those kind of things. Well, that's kind of how they were. They would just broadcast, they would just spread it wherever. And some of it fell on the path. As it fell along the path, uh, birds would come along and eat it up. They were not going to get any kind of harvest here. The farmer knows that if he wants a bountiful harvest, some of it is going to fall on the path. And so to him, it's acceptable loss. This is part of doing business, that some of it is going to fall here and some of it is going to be eaten by the birds and that'll be just fine, but I got to get the seed out. It falls on the path, which is not receptive. And it would take a lot of work to break up that hard ground, to pull out the rocks and pull out the weeds that have grown up, to, 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 to tend to that ground, to make it ready for a crop. Take a lot of work. Because it's been trampled by beasts, been trampled by men. It is not good for production. So as he sows his seed, some of it falls on this hard path, and he knows that the seed that falls there, he will get no harvest. Well, as he's throwing, the seed, some of it falls on rocky places. You know, those rocks that, that, that modern farmers would walk through this field and go, well, we need to get removed this. We need to take this one out. We need to take that one out. You know, these, these rocks have been uh, you know, kicked up off, off the road or, or somehow have uh, 
found their way into our field. We need to remove these rocks to, so it doesn't tear up our equipment, so it produces, so we can have a, a good field to grow our crops. There were also places in Palestine where there wasn't much topsoil, and so, so the, the topsoil would, would, would pop up, would, would be there, and you'd throw the, soil in, the, the, the seed on the soil, and it would get in there, but, but the roots couldn't go down because it would be right up against bedrock. And so maybe it would be a place where if we saw it, we'd add some more topsoil. We'd, we'd add some more uh, soil there so that the, the seed would have a better place to, to, to grow. But, but this farmer, he doesn't care. He's just sowing his seed. And he throws it out, and the seed finds some soft dirt among the, ro- among the rocks. And as it gets there, it finds a home quickly and begins to grow up. But you know how the weather gets. Sometimes it gets a little hot. And as it gets a little hot, all of a sudden it, the, the, the plant is looking for moisture. It's looking for water. It's looking for, for food. And, and being in shallow soil, being among the rocks, it's hard to find any. And so the plant quickly withers and dies. And once again, he, the, the, the sower is left without any kind of harvest. Still, still others... So the seed fell, fell among the thorns. You know, I think, I think pulling weeds is one of the, uh, the, the, the things I like least, one of the least enjoyable things about having a garden. Uh, we, we've uh, taken some of our, rearranged some of the planting beds in, in, at our house in the last couple of years. I, last, last year, I, I, I put in two different raised beds on the side of our garage. And as we grew tomatoes, all of a sudden you'd look in there from time to time and there'd be other things growing in there that we didn't want. And so by that time, I'd say, uh, sweetheart, I think you need to go pull the weeds because I don't want to pull the weeds. I, 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 I have enough weeds I'm dealing with in the, yard, in the lawn. I, I don't like weeds growing in the lawn at, at all. And so I was like, how do we remove these? Because, you know, in the summertime, when the sun bakes down, we have no rain growing, and the, uh, rain falling, and the grass decides to stop growing. What keeps growing? Weeds. Weeds obviously don't need water to grow, but, but, but grass does. And so the weeds just keep growing. It's like, well... You just got to mow the weeds this week, right? And you get there at that point in the summer, it's either like, well, I'm just going to let the weeds grow and, and we'll take care of it later. Or you go out to mow the weeds. Well, that's how it is. The, the, the farmer throws out his seed. He's, he casts out there and there are some weeds in this. Maybe there's some weed in the seed. You know, we can't have perfect grass seed. That'd, be, that'd just be asking too much of Scott's and these other lawn companies to actually give us 100% grass seed. No, there's, they, they, hey, there might be some weeds in there. So, um, good luck. That's kind of what they say. Uh, here, buy this other product that we'll sell you that will help you remove those weeds that we, uh, we put in there. So it's, it's, that, that's, a, that, that's it. They're just marketing them. Hey, we, we, we're going to give you some weeds so you have to buy this other stuff to take care of the weeds. And so we, we, we'd remove those. We'd get those out as quickly as we could. The farmer sows a seed and falls in with the weeds. And as time goes on, they grow up together and they're fighting for for nutrients, they're fighting for the resources of the soil. The, the, the weeds, the thorns, choke out the good plant. And there is no harvest. So at this point, the sower, the farmer, is 0 for 3. He's got a 0% return on his investment. And I may not be the, the most adept uh, 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 investment individual, but I, I know 0% is bad, Right? And he goes out and he's still throwing a seed because he knows that there's some good soil out there somewhere. 
And as he sows his seed, some of it falls on good soil. Some of it falls on good soil. Soil that is ready to accept the seed. And the sower will come along and he will plow, he will till that seed under, and then he will wait and see what it does. He might even assist it in growing. And Jesus says that this good soil, this good soil will produce 160 or even 30 times what was sown. That means of all the lost seed, due to the hard path, the birds, trampled by men, the rocks, the weeds, a hundred times of all that was sown, 60 times, even possibly even 30 times what was sown, he will get that much more. As Jesus begins this sermon, he outlines for us four types of people that correspond with the four different types of soils. Remember, this is not so much the parable of the sower as it's the parable of the soils. And so what do we learn by observing life? By listening to this parable is that the quality of the soil determines the quantity of the harvest, right? If it's a hard path, if it's rocky, if it's thorny and weedy, you're probably not going to get a great return on your investment on that seed. But the good soil, if we could just plant a lot of seed in good soil, we would get an abundant harvest. The quality of the soil determines the quantity of the harvest. Bad soil produces bad harvest. A good soil produces an abundant harvest. So just like the quality of the soil determines the quantity of the harvest, the soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. The soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. There are a lot of parables that Jesus tells us that we're left to seek the understanding on our own. We're, we're left to kind of interpret it on our own. And, and how, how, how do we uh, understand this? How do we see these different parts? But this is one of those parables where Jesus gives us the explanation. And so if you want to read down in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 to 23, uh, he gives us the explanation. This parable is also found in uh, the Gospels of Mark and Luke. And, and in those, Jesus gives us the parable and the explanation. They, they write the, the parable and the explanation for us there as well. And so as, as Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as Jesus teaches us, he lets us know in what the different, some of the different things represent. And so Mark and, and Luke, they say the seed, the seed is the word of God. Matthew describes it as the message about the kingdom. And so we might say that the seed is the gospel. We might call the seed the gospel. One of the reasons why we sing uh, this I believe today is because it's those core things that we believe. Those core things of our, of our faith, that the things that we say, these are the kind of the things you might need to hold on to if you want to call yourself a believer, if you want to live an abundant life, if you want to bear fruit for Jesus, these are the sorts of things that you need to hold true. And that's part of the message that we share. That's part of the seed that we share with others. We see in this parable, the sower. Who is the sower? Well, the sower is anyone who is sharing the gospel. So there's different times in our life when we have been the sower, and there's different times in our life when we are the soil, depending on if we're the giver or the receiver of the message of the gospel. And so as the sower goes out to sow, so right now it would be me sowing into the, the soils of your hearts. 
But if you then don't take that same seed that has been given to you and share it with others, then what would that say about the soil of our heart? See, the sower sows into the soil. At some point, the sower is the soil and has received from others that then they pass on to others. So where do we fall in this line? Some of us, there are some in our world who would say, they're the rocky path, right? We've tried sharing with them about Jesus. Maybe they're people of our fa- in our family. They're people we work with. They're friends of ours. We have tried to share with them the gospel, but they just won't have it, right? If you've noticed, the sower doesn't quit sowing because of the reaction to the soil. He doesn't go, well, pff, someone's going to fall on the hard path. It's not going to grow there. I'm not sowing anymore later, right? No, we don't, that's not what happens. He doesn't quit sowing because certain soils aren't going to receive the seed. No, he keeps sowing because he knows that some seed will produce a harvest. And so no matter the reaction of others around us, we must always share Jesus. See, the sower sows because he knows that without getting the seed out there, there is no hope for a harvest. The number one job of the church is to make disciples of all nations. How do we do that? We've got to follow Jesus' plan. Jesus says, here's how you do it. He goes, go and make disciples of all nations. You do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And by the way, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So you won't be sowing alone. You're not going to be flying solo. I will be with you in this making disciples. And to make disciples, you have to go to where they are. You can't just sit at home and go, well, I'm... I'm no one came by, so I'm not making any disciples. Can't do it because they didn't come to me. No, we have to go to where they are. The sower doesn't sit in his house and fly a drone over his field to drop seed. Right? He doesn't send someone else to sow the seed. The sower, the farmer, he goes out into his field, and he's the one sowing the seed. So if you are a believer, it is your job. You've been tasked by our master Jesus to go and to sow seed to go and to share the gospel with those around us, to share the message of Jesus, to share what God is doing in your life and through your life into the lives of others. So if it's another believer, you're encouraging them to keep walking with Jesus. If it's an unbeliever, you're trying to help them see and know Jesus and to make a decision for him. And we do that by going to where they are, by sharing with them about Jesus and by helping them walk in step with him. But there are some, there are some people who don't seem to be interested. They seem to reject every opportunity, every offer that we have. They say no, even before we begin. But this should not keep us from sharing with them. This should not keep us for praying for them. Maybe they have legitimate concerns, legitimate experiences from their past. Maybe we need to be more thoughtful, more strategic in the way that we share the gospel with them. There are things in life that may make faith more difficult. And so for us, we need to pray for them because prayer is how you soften the hard ground of the path. By praying for them, it's like beginning to work that hard soil so that it might be more productive. By praying for them, we can remove the rocks and help remove the weeds from their life that they may be receptive to the seed of a gospel. There are those though, who 
we might call the, the rocky ground. We might look in the, they're, they're, because because they accept the seed at first, right? They accept the gospel at first. We've all seen people like this, and they, they're like on fire, and they're like, yeah, this is, this. I, I need this in my life. I need Jesus just like this in my life. But then as time goes on, maybe it's a short while, maybe it's a long while, maybe just some other things in life that things get hard. Maybe their family or the circle of friends they're a part of aren't, aren't encouraging about this. Maybe that makes their life more difficult. Maybe there are things in life that are, are tragic and persecution comes their way. And maybe just integrating faith into their life just proves to be too difficult. And so when faced with these outside pressures, they fall away. We've seen it happen. We've seen others do it. We've, we've heard stories. Maybe that's even described your life at one point or another. Maybe there's some people we know that we, oh, they, they, they're the thorny soil. They're, 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 their faith is where the, the weeds lie, right? Yeah, they're, they're, maybe they're, they're those who, uh, they, they received the gospel, they've accepted it, but, but the distractions of life, Jesus says, the, that money, the worries of life, crept in and they've kept that seed from bearing fruit. It's a soil received by the individual. While they've taken it to heart, they've tried to mix other things in with it. Maybe it's the gospel and politics. Maybe it's the gospel and, and certain cultural views that they've, they, they, they've, they've bought into uh, certain things of our age. That there's like this, this underlying kind of cultural religion that they're, they're trying to make Jesus work into that. And they're like, well, I'm going to hold both of these at the same time. It's Jesus plus something that they begin to try to work other things in. There's anything else added to Jesus, anything else added to the gospel is is a weed, is a thorn, and it keeps the gospel from bearing fruit. I don't feel like I'm bearing fruit in my life. Well, maybe, maybe we're being the hard path. Maybe we're not accepting God's call. Maybe we're not living out what God wants us to do. Maybe, maybe we've got some rocky soil underneath us. Maybe, we, maybe there's some, some things that are, that are keeping, you know, there's some persecution, there's some, some difficulty, some pressure that we're facing that's keeping us from following Jesus the way he desires us to. Maybe there are some thorns in our life, some sins in our life that are keeping us from bearing fruit that we need to look at and we need to address. But there's hope because there's one more soil. One more soil that we all can be. And Jesus says, here is the, the good soil. And the good soil is the soil that when it lands on it, it produces fruit. Fruit in keeping with the kingdom. Fruit that, that bears other fruit. Fruit that bears disciples. That brings others to know Jesus. And it may not be a fast process, but it is generally a forward progress. See, if the gospel is received by the individual and taken to heart, and we allow it to work through every uh, part of our being, Jesus, when it does this, it produces a fruit, a, a harvest 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. 10 times is considered a good harvest. This must have been a bumper crop. Can you imagine what would happen if we truly let God take hold of our life.
if a good crop was 10 times and Jesus is starting at 30, can you imagine the fruit we bear with our life if we truly let God take hold of our life and direct our steps? See, Jesus came and died to put our world back together again. The only way our world can be put together again is if we take the gospel seriously, first for ourselves. First for ourselves, that we would take hold of it and let it change us from the inside out. That that we would uh, let it remove the distractions of our day, of our time, of our life. That we would begin to cultivate in our own life good soil that that the gospel can land in. And then from there, we become we become the spreaders, we become the sharers of this gospel with others, that we pray for others, that, that, that the ground, that the soul of their heart would be ready to receive the gospel, and that God might use us to sow into their life seeds of the grace that he's given us. The thing is, we often lack the wisdom to direct our own steps. We might know a path that seems good for us. This seems to be a good way to go, but, but on our own, we will choose the wrong path at some point along the lines. So we need Christ. We need scripture. We need his word in flesh. We need his written word in our life to give us meaning and direction into the kingdom of God. We need the gospel to be preached to us daily. Not necessarily by another individual. Sometimes it's just you preaching it to yourself looking yourself in the mirror every morning and first saving that person each day before we go and we share Jesus with others. See, if we want to live out the kingdom of God in our time, in our space, we must be active in sharing the good seed of the gospel with others because the soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. The soil of the heart determines the fruit of the life. So what kind of fruit are you bearing? Are you bearing fruit in your life for Jesus and for the kingdom? What kind of soil would you say your heart looks like today? Maybe today. Maybe today you need to accept Jesus as your Savior for the very first time. You need to accept this seed of the gospel into your life and need to let it begin to work its way through you so you might bear fruit for him. Maybe today you need to, to begin to, 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 to um, allow Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. And so if that is your heart's desire, we would love to know, we'd be able to, to celebrate with you, to help walk you through that journey. And you can let us know at the connection, by the, the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. You can check the box that says become a Christian and let us know and we will help you uh, uh, through that journey. You can also text LIFE to 240-347-0897. Like I said, we want to celebrate with you. We want to help you as this seed begins to take root in your life. That you might bear fruit for Jesus and for his kingdom. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the life that you've given us through Jesus for the hope that we have in him and for all that you've given us that we might help others see and know Jesus in our life. That we might bear fruit for you. Good fruit. The fruit in keeping with the kingdom, fruit in keeping with 
others coming to know Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've not given up on us. That while we were hard path, that we were rocky soil, that we, were, we had weeds in our life, Father, you continued to do your work in us and through us until a harvest might be born in us. Father, help us as we go to pray. As we sow seeds of the gospel, as we sow seeds of your grace into the lives of those around us, may we pray for them. And may you work through that to soften their hearts, be receptive to the good news you've given us through Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. This week, as we consider our hearts, consider the soils of our life, may God use us to bring about his kingdom wherever we go. Hey, we're glad you joined us today, and we hope to see you again next week. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.